Almost every business today has some part that's gone digital. From online order booking to managing internal work and staff, the digital world is absolutely everywhere. My name is Stephen Brown. I'll be your host for this episode, where we explore how the increasing digitization of business is changing how we work, interact with our colleagues, and run our businesses. In general, how this immense move to make everything digital impacts us as a society. You're listening to the I Don't Want to Be a Robot podcast, where we explore how technology is changing our lives, workplace, and society. A couple of small disclaimers before we get started. This is episode one of season one. You are right here at the very beginning. This is a massive experiment for us. We really hope you like it. This podcast was born out of fantastic conversations we've had at work or after work in the pub discussing the changing technology landscape of our lives. We are so excited that we're able to share this with other people. We think you're really going to like it. Please give us your feedback. Send us uh, an email and tell us what uh, what you think. You can reach us at humans at idontwantobearobot.com. I also want to thank the board of Plarsoft for letting us set up this podcast and for sponsoring us for season one. As many of the hosts and some of the guests still work for Plarsoft, it was nice of the board to allow us to do this and have the freedom to have full editorial control over it um, and talk about whatever we want. Thank you guys so much for letting us do that. Um, With that said, the opinions that you're about to hear are those of the hosts and the guests themselves and not of any of the sponsors. Okay, with that said, let's get this rolling. Today, we are going to discuss how digitization is changing our lives, our businesses, how we operate every day, um, and really just how it's touching us in every aspect of our lives. To help me out on this topic today is my favorite Yorkshireman, based in London, Naraj Mystery, the Global Director of Services from Polarsoft. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for uh, inviting me to this uh, podcast and recording. Interesting subject to talk about. I'm sure we're going to have lots of fun and interesting things to, to discuss. So, yeah, thanks again for uh, inviting me to, to join in in this discussion. You're most welcome. Also with us today, based in Savannah, Georgia, the fantastically creative creative director of PPM Anywhere, Kelly Vega. Hello. How are you doing? I am well. And yourself? Great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Naraj, you've been working with organizations for a really, really long time, digitizing various aspects of their um, operations. And do you feel that that's been effective in the short term and the long term? And how do you feel that that not only the management teams, but the employees in those organizations have have felt about that that change in their lives? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, Stephen. I mean, digitization... um... I guess every organization is slightly different in their journey when they're looking to you know, move away from old world and look to digitize their business. And um, you know, one thing I have seen through that process is a lot of change management also has to occur with digitization. It's not just about actually the tooling and the digitization of the, uh, the work, but actually then the change impact that has on individuals. And I think that's where really in the short term, 
and long term, you you see very different outcomes. Um, you know, short term wise, in terms of uh, change, people tend to be quite averse to it, have barriers to it, and slowly over time, there's a bit more acceptance. So there's definitely a journey there. I think as as you look at um, digitizing operations and the impact that has on people, uh, for sure. Do you, do you think there's divides in different types of people, like? you know, between men and women and between young and old, do you think there's like just different levels of resistance that goes on? And is it, and is it something we can, we can typify into to categories of, of experience or is it something that's completely unique to each individual? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess based on my experience, I've seen probably from a kind of type of person you know I tend to see maybe the younger kind of generation of the workforce probably being a little bit more uh, accepting of the change and maybe that's just because they've grown up with technology at their fingertips so the change for them to go through in digitization is much easier for them to adopt versus uh, you know maybe the generation of the workforce that's been in place in the company for a long long time for them that change tends to be a little bit harder to to overcome or takes a little bit um, a bit more time or maybe you know a lot more hand holding through that so I, I think experience and, and kind of age does definitely play a part um, you know and just in the real world today I see children picking up technology much quicker than even what I can and I've you know I've also grown up in technology in my generation so there's certainly a thing there um, to kind of you know, look at how, how that change management actually proliferates through those different um, types of people in terms of experience and age. Um, there's definitely something to, to kind of, you know, drill down into and look at that. So, Callie, your, your background's, you know, very much on the creative side, the marketing side, um, art background. Do you, do you kind of look at digitization as being a thing that um, the – marketing and art community is embracing as a whole or do you think that is a very specific thing i mean it's not like you, you can't go to 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 um art school today and not pick up photoshop or some equivalent drawing creative suite to to fuel what you do um but does that kind of stop at the creative or does that go beyond that and into how people operate yeah, absolutely. And I think digitization uh, has allowed work to become more accessible where things were once a process are now a simple click of a button. But in more of a branding side of things, it's completely opened that up. I mean, brands used to really just be a brick and mortar with a logo on the outside. And that was really the experience. Um, but now it's such an extension of the brand and how people and customers are experiencing that. Um but yeah, I definitely see an impact um, with the creative side of the industry for sure, uh, both with customers and um, employees are both interacting and seeing the actual brand more frequently. And with that, they're being emerged in the tone and the feel of the brand at every single step. So obviously that helps capture buy-in and believability within the brand, which eventually leads and lends itself to long-term success because that inevitably builds trust. Um, now, keep in mind with a lot of these companies, it can also hurt and it can hurt with the creatives that um, are not willing to evolve and the companies that are not willing to evolve. Um, because if they aren't properly evolving and keeping up with the digitization, that can cause companies or creatives to easily, from a surface level perspective, be, be viewed as dated or kind of stuck in old ways, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. So Naraj, I was listening to one of your talks on digitization and the, you, you were talking about business governance, which is the world's most boring business term ever. <laughs> um, but you highlighted um, its value and I really thought it, it gave it a light around why governance and digitization was, was an effective resource for organizations. So let me play a little bit of that right now. How many of you have avoided a governance moment in the last six months? Okay, so some of you have, some of you haven't. There's probably quite a few reasons as to why some of you have uh, avoided that. Maybe you were too busy, maybe it wasn't clear, maybe it wasn't an important um, enough thing for you to follow. We'll just take that and look at it in a different light. Let's look at a different governance scenario. So again, a show of hands, all of you that came to the event today, uh, how many of you actually purchased or paid for a ticket to use on public transport to get here today? Okay, so generally it seems like most of you followed that rule. Most of you bought a ticket, got on a train or a bus or a plane to get here. So why was that rule of governance followed and adhered to by the majority of people versus the last exercise we did? Most of you broke broke the rule there. Well, you use the phrase in, in your talk, um, governance, and, and that word is so formal. What, what do you really mean by that? And and do you think it has a big impact for organizations? Yeah, I mean, in part of my talk, I, you know, I mentioned governance can mean lots of different things to different people. Um, I really try to kind of boil governance down into some, some basic facts and, and things that you, you know, you think about. I mean, my first question is always why, you know, why do we even, even need governance? And sure, in organizations and in business, it's kind of, you know, pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, you need to monitor, control, approve things, make sure things are not going off um, into different directions and, and really just keep, yeah, control is kind of probably the key, key word there. But um, there's multi, lots of facets to governance. And I think there's, it's almost like a scale for me, you know, if you kind of make it too tight, too formal, too rigid, um, you'll actually get people to kind of shy away from it. And I guess on the opposite spectrum, you make it too easy and you don't have enough, well, then actually you're not going to achieve the control. So I think it is important in business to have it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you can't just let people and businesses go off and, you know, spend money on things that have got no control and accountability. So it has to be a thing that's in place. But getting the right level on that scale is very important and actually techniques to how to achieve that. You know, there's lots of different things around human behavior and how people react to things that they're told to, you know, been told to do, which yeah. is in essence governance, governance is telling. Calling it control probably uh, doesn't help us. I want to control yeah, exactly. what, you, what you do. Exactly. Right. So yeah, just, you know, I mean, that's a really good point just in terms of how you phrase things and, uh, how you communicate to people to actually follow the governance, you know, is it stick versus carrot? What kind of impact and outcome does that have on your adherence to people following it? Okay. Uh, governance is, I mean, you know, it, it, it is important. It has to be there for, for organizations to, to uh, see what's going on. Um, getting the right level, though, about how you actually implement it, track it, manage it, um, influence people to follow governance is really the art to success. I think, you know, when you, when you have it in place, it, it, it definitely has to be something that's in there in your business and exists, um, but getting it and in that sweet spot that it works for you or for your individuals is, is really the key. So I look 
I agree that the, the word governance is boring and sounds terrible, but I actually think of governance as kind of an exciting subject because it's really the mechanics, the machinery of how a, an organization works from the inside. So when you talk about governance, you're talking about how do the shareholders and the board really want to control that entity and really what, what makes them feel that, that decisions on the ground align with what they feel is important. I think that's a fascinating subject, partially because it, it shows the disconnect sometimes between how a guy working on the ground and a guy who is representing a bunch of shareholders at board level, they really don't necessarily talk the same language or have the same objectives. I, I find the governance there is really trying to bridge that communication. And it can be this very awkward thing where they have totally different expectations of the processes and procedures. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you actually think about governance, there's, there's kind of two sides to that coin. There is kind of what I would say is corporate governance. So to your point, how the board shareholders want to actually, from a corporate perspective, um, govern the, you know, the business. I guess in project and portfolio management, where we talk about governance very much from a project delivery perspective and how does that um, manage and manifest itself into, you know, actually delivering your projects. But those two things have to align at some point and ultimately that for me is the, the the true art of governance and yeah you absolutely get the uh differing opinions objectives and strategic goals that each of those different uh areas have and and you know finding finding again that mix between the two is is really um something that is important to you know to make it work so I have to say, I agree with you, Stephen. Um, initially, when you hear the words governance, you kind of think boring, but the more Naraj has spoken about it, the more I think, well, like you said, it's actually quite fascinating because it all dials back into the power of persuasion and how you word things and how you get that buy-in or drive without people realize you're driving. Okay. I think we should come up with a new word for governance. What do you, what do you guys got? Hmm. Make it happen. <laughs> Make it happen, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I think, you know, one of the things I always laugh about, about lawyers and, and accountants is they've created whole sets of language around their industries, mm -hmm. um, which make it really hard sometimes to understand what they say. And I, and I always look at what we do and think, um, at this side of the industry, we sometimes do the same thing. We create all these fancy words for things that basically are, are simple human behaviors. Like right. governance is, is as simple as don't spend money without getting an approval from a person who's controlling the money, right? That's a simple concept and everybody can understand that. But as soon as you call it governance, it's all of a sudden like, oh my God, that seems like such a formal discussion. Why don't we go and talk about depreciation or... <laughs> putting a brief into a court or reading the dictionary yeah, exciting and now a quick word from our sponsors this episode has been brought to you by ppm anywhere the online software for organizations that want to create consistent outcomes track your strategy manage projects energize your team take maturity to the next step for your business. PPM Anywhere is beautifully uncomplicated software to manage process, people, and financials.
Um, but we've been we've been talking about you know kind of governance, which is really this large corporate concept and this very formal subject matter that you might talk at a, at a multinational corporation level. Is is there an applicable version of this that for a smaller medium business? You know, enterprise, medium, small, large, whatever type of organization. Uh, to me, it, I think it's all about scalability and. Um, it comes back to what you said earlier around, okay, if you have corporate governance and then you've got, your, you know, you've got your project governance, how do those two things actually overlap in the appropriate way for the size of organization you have? Um, I think what you'll tend to find is in smaller organizations, you've probably got more mature, experienced people working in your business because you're small, you're a startup, you, you know, you, you're going to hire, um, you know, the people that are helping you on that journey. So, some of the decision-making they've got to make maybe doesn't have to go through all of the formal governance and checks and balances because you actually trust that person a little bit more. They're a little bit more mature, experienced, et cetera. As you scale that up, though, into larger organizations, sure, you need more things in place to make sure things are not going to go off and people, to your analogy, spending money, that's not theirs to spend. So, so are you saying that you need the governance that, that because you've grown, you need the governance or having the governance, the digitized governance in place will help you grow and scale. Yeah, I think it's the former actually. I mean, having, having it digitized as early as you can will definitely help you scale. You know, with digitization, you're gonna, um, you know, the next thing for me around that is then automation. So automation is really key in having to then scale your business. So if you're trying to, you know, take 500 project managers, for example, that have been using pen and paper to track projects and digitize that, that in itself is a quite a big task versus if you actually started off with your first five project managers doing it um, in a digital form, it's probably a much easier to scale that to your next 495 project managers you bring into your business and as an example of a, a typical role. Um, so yeah, definitely digitization can help you scale that governance and the earlier you can do it in your business, the more you think about it, in your strategy, um, I think it will definitely help as your business grows. What do you guys think about that? Is that, I mean, you've, I think you guys have probably worked in big and small organizations. Have you seen something around that in terms of where you've worked or have you tend to work in smaller companies where actually the governance isn't really a thing? Uh, I always, I always like the um, Instagram analogy so instagram when mm. it, when it started um had like 13 employees and I, and I apologize if i get all these numbers wrong so don't send me an email that says i've got the numbers wrong because i know these aren't precise but it was something like they had 13 employees but 13 million users on their platform and you don't do that without digitizing and automating everything you do and that that really Absolutely, yeah, yeah kind of shows you like you know that's the extreme example but um Anymore today, if you want a business to grow beyond a, a, a local business, if you want it to be a regional or a national or an international business, you have to be thinking about digitization and automation really early in the game. It can't be something you wait until when we get to the next level, we will then automate to grow. No, it's too late. You got to do that right up front. You got to be thinking about that, that over, a, you know, the, you got to be thinking about that from the point of a business plan from day one. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that's that's a really key aspect to, to you know, bake into your, your business strategy and your three-year plan around where you want to go. Um, 
Unfortunately, though, I'm not sure it always happens in that way from, from some of the experiences I've seen. It tends to be digitization is almost the last thing some organizations put into place once they've kind of ballooned and got too big. So Right. Yeah. I completely agree, especially from a creative perspective. There's a lot of things just with digitization that should be managed or expected from an early state that once a company becomes large enough, they start to think, oh, wait, well, we need to start, you know, I don't know optimizing our optimizing our website for search engines or finding the right social channels or um you know having a responsive or mobile application that allows us to be ex easily accessible uh to where we're actually reaching people but that doesn't get prioritized all the time what would you say is the thing you know today that you wish you would have known when you first started working in this digitization landscape Well, I know you're asking me. I'm going to cast my mind back to many, many years ago. Um, <laughs> I think it's having uh, t t kind of, I guess, as you get more experience, you, you tend to think about things in a little bit more of a longer range view and your mindset tends to change into thinking about, well, actually not what's happening next week, what's happening in the next two weeks, one month, six months, etc. And to be able to think like that and then execute on that plan, you kind of need to kind of have certain tools in place to help you think about track and manage those um, kind of objectives and goals that you want to achieve and actually then see how you can contribute or what's contributing to them. Um, for me, it's kind of, I guess, learning the skill of how to think strategically and what tools are available in the digital world to help me to do that. If I'd have kind of known that earlier in my career, uh, or my working life, you know, that may have helped a little bit more. Um, but it's not something you really think about when you first start off in, in business. You know, it's something that does come with experience. Oh, I'm, a, I'm in a slightly different place on that one. But I think the, the, the thing I didn't, I probably took for granted at the beginning of my career was the computer always does what you tell it to do. It's really easy to change. The people almost never do what you tell them to do. They're really hard to change. <laughs> and it's really yeah, that, 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 that marriage between business change and technology is, is tough. I mean, when you, you go and you digitize some process and you put it in front of people, just getting them to show up and do their part is actually way more work than the actual digitization. Uh, the technology is easy to solve. That one's not moving as fast as the, the people are. And as soon as you change people, you got to do the job over again and over again. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of what we said at the beginning of the conversation the change management piece is so, so important in, di in digitization. And yeah, you're right. The technology tends to be the, you know, it's the 80, 20 rule I often use. It's 20% uh, of the job. The 80% is bringing the people along on the journey and, and making them feel like the digitization and what you're putting in place is actually a benefit and retraining them and getting them to use it. Otherwise you've put something in place that potentially will, it's just throw away if you're not actually going to get the value from it I think, by the people using it. I think from a creative perspective, it's keeping things as convenient as possible, as easy and convenient as possible. And that's how you get participation. What would you, what would you say from a creative perspective? If you, if you looked at all of these, not pointing any fingers, process driven technologist, IT type folks 
what would you say is the thing that you wish they understood that creatives do understand? Hmm. Well, you know, sometimes, I, and I've worked for places where there is just process for process sake, and that is just a creative killer. Um, and I mean creative in a vast amount of ways um, that could be, you know, just creative in the workplace of someone who's actually a creative or someone who is just trying to come up with a creative idea or concept to, to solve a problem or have a solution in the workplace. Uh, so it that process for process sake can sometimes feel like micromanagement um, and that you're really not able to flex and extend your limbs and your mind and figure out what the best and easiest route to take is. It's tricky and I don't think everyone masters that. And I think I've worked for places where, and a lot of people have worked for places where it just doesn't happen. And it that leads to unhappy employees, which, leads to less productivity. Um, I think it's a fine line. You have to understand how to capture that buy-in and get the people to feel like, yeah, we're doing this for the common, a common goal, um, a common good, and everyone wants the same end result. If it feels like someone's pulling your teeth to do something and you really don't want to do it and you're dragging your feet, you're really not going to put your best effort in. I mean, there's an interesting point there around that kind of balance, as, as we mentioned earlier, around kind of, you know, not having process for sake of having process, but then letting people have some autonomy and, and work. But what I see a lot of organizations actually failing to is just measure the success, you know, whatever they've got today, whatever's in place. You know, a lot of organizations don't even measure whether people are following those controls or governance or those processes that are in place. So you can't even start to identify which ones are failing and which ones are a success. So the actual first part for me of that puzzle around being able to look at how effective is your governance and your processes is, is having some form of measurement. Mm -hmm. um, and again, digitization can really help you in that, you know, if you, if you come up with some good metrics and good ways to measure it, absolutely, that's where digitization can play a big part in helping you identify uh, where things are working well and where things are not. Absolutely. That is a great point. And I don't think things that are working are being spoken about enough. Um, people like to feel a sense of reward and that they've contributed and that what they've done has led to good result. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, sharing success and showing that, you know, things are working well for an area that is kind of, you know, following the process versus, you know, I mean, I, I used the analogy earlier about carrot and stick, and that's kind of a key thing as well around making sure, you know, people that are encouraged to do things are rewarded and people that are enforced to do things are also rewarded. So, you know, but both techniques ultimately lead to the same outcome. Mm -hmm. If the people listening thought, yeah, I'm really getting to that point where I want to digitize their division, their team, their whole business, whatever. Where would you tell them to start? Yeah, I think in my world, it's maybe a little bit kind of different. Uh, I mean, whenever I kind of talk about digitization and talk to companies about where they should start, I mean, you know, I think the first thing we have to be 
reticent of is I, I don't think digital transformation and digitizing businesses is going away. It's inevitable. Inevitable. It's coming. It's happening. It's you know, it's there. Um, for me, though, identifying the areas where digitization makes sense is probably the first place I would start off. I mean, you can never go from zero to a hundred miles an hour, um, you know, in the space of a month or a week. Any strategy you decide that you're going to have will take eighteen months to two years to play out. So. To me, it's important to work out, well, where's the, where does it make sense to do digitization? That's where I really start off. And actually, I mean, I know this sometimes can be quite difficult and maybe a topic for another podcast for another time, but can you measure the benefits of digitizing something? Because ultimately, if you're digitizing something for the sake of just doing it and you're not actually going to get a benefit from that, whether that's reduction in time spent, whether it's better, making better informed decisions, why do it? Why, you know, surely there's 10 other things on the list that you could be focusing time on. So making sure when you have identified something that you can actually put some benefit against that so that actually the benefit you receive by digitizing it, you can actually reinvest that in the next thing. And that's ultimately, I think, how you can also help your business grow and develop over time as well. Thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. How'd you feel it went for our first go at this uh, podcast? I think it went well. Um, and I surprisingly uh, come to realize that governance can be fun and it can have a lot of payoff. <laughs> that's, that's good. We're going to change the title of the uh, episode to governance can be fun. <laughs> I think from my perspective, it's been just interesting to see how many other subjects we've uncovered just through this one conversation around digitization. You know, we've talked about governance automation people's feelings change management so i mean it's such a broad subject i think we've started on that we could probably get down into a lot more further detailed conversations about some other topics which would be equally as interesting but it's been also good just to hear how i guess the creative world thinks about digitization is quite a, quite a different um aspect on it to maybe how i think about it in my world so it's just been really good to see that and hear that as well so thanks so how do you feel about hosting the next episode, Naraj? Ah, great. I knew you were going to ask me that one. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's some great, great themes that have come out from today. So, yeah, really happy to, uh, to host the next one and uh, come up with a topic um, for sure. You got, you got any contenders yet? People's feelings? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a few. I, I mean, really from today, you know, we've talked about digitization, but we haven't really talked about how once you've got that in place, how does that technology you've put in help you make better decisions and how does it change how we make decisions? I think that's quite an interesting next path to go down. You know, we've, we've talked about having it, but actually what does it do and how does it influence from a, from a people perspective? So uh, maybe we can talk about that one on the next one. That sounds good. Thanks guys for uh, coming out and doing this. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you. Thanks. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Human Overlord Media. For season one, we'll be dropping episodes monthly. Keep your eye out for the next one. We also have some sponsorship opportunities. We love hearing from people. If you have something relevant you'd like us to plug on the podcast, send us a note. We'll take a look at it. If we like it, we might just plug it for free. We're also looking for season two corporate sponsors. Send us an email about anything or sponsorship. We'd love to hear from you. You can get a hold of us at humans at idontwantobearobot.com. I also want to thank Callie for producing and editing this episode. 
for really giving us a big shove to get this thing off the ground. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you to our sponsor, PPM Anywhere, for their support. You can find them at ppmanywhere.com. Thanks for listening. Don't be a robot. Who, who wants to claim the doorbell in the background there? That was awesome. My doorbell yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that was, it was funny. <laughs> that was really great. I can't believe that. Like, I don't have anybody turning up to my house all day. And just now. Yeah.